Two recent polls of New Yorkers from the Siena College Research Institute, which dig into attitudes about the influx of asylum seekers to the Empire State, as well as the responses from elected officials to this crisis, do not offer a lot of good news for Democrats, especially New York City Mayor Eric Adams, Governor Kathy Hochul, and President Joe Biden, with more people disapproving of their leadership on this issue than approving of their leadership. The surveys also shed a bright light on immigration views more broadly that are out of step with ideas and policies championed on the left. To discuss this recent polling and what it means for Democratic efforts to govern in New York and potentially run for office next year, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Alyssa Cass, a political communications professional and partner at Slingshot Strategies, whose 2022 clients include the successful campaign of Pat Ryan for Congress, a Democrat representing a purple Hudson Valley district. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Hi, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. So from your vantage point as a political communications professional, are any of the Democratic executives that I mentioned at the top of the show doing a particularly good job solely from a messaging perspective uh, on the influx of migrants to New York? That is a tough question, but and let me answer it uh, this way. It's a migrant crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis, and it's really tough. There aren't a lot of great answers and not a lot of great solutions. But I think against that backdrop, Governor Hochul, you know, with a sort of a, a change of tone and strategy in recent weeks, is doing a, a great job of advocating for our state, particularly with, with the federal government. You didn't mention her, but I think Senator Gillibrand has been the most effective Democratic messenger in the state in terms of being able to balance our values and our goals as New Yorkers and wanting to continue to foreground the pride we have in being a, a welcoming haven for migrants and immigrants, with also the realities of the pressures it puts on city and state budgets and what it means for everyday New Yorkers. I think she seems to be where, where the voters are uh, at, based on the Siena poll and others. And I think, you know, offers a bit of a model for, for other Democrats in the state. You know, I also will, sh you know, shout out my client, uh, uh, Congressman Pat Ryan, who I think has done the best job of foregrounding what the stakes are for Democrats and how we need to be approaching this. This is a crisis and in a crisis, you need people to be in charge and quarterback solutions versus pointing fingers, passing the bag and, and placing blame. So I'd like to see you know, more of, of, of that approach from Democrats up and down the ballot in New York. Well, you mentioned this idea of a change in tone and strategy from Governor Hochul, and there was some reporting and news analysis to that extent after she had a middle-of-the-day web broadcast announcement and said that the state was going to try to help connect people, asylum seekers, with jobs once they became eligible to get work authorization. And she had this meeting with the president's team about what they could get in terms of help from D.C. So I watched that reporting, but to me, I didn't notice a major change from what I was hearing from Governor Hochul. And there was no sort of pedal to the metal that we've seen consistently day in, day out from her. She hasn't been beating the drum, so to speak, in every media availability. She hasn't been necessarily 
applying pressure that we wouldn't expect from a Democrat, maybe making things slightly uncomfortable for Joe Biden, but it's not necessarily as far as, say, a Republican executive in this position might push things. So can you expand a little bit on why you see this as a significant change in tone and strategy from the state's chief executive? Sure. And, you know, I guess to be more precise, I think it it is in a, a 180. It signals an, a, a potential new approach and, and one that I think is right and one that has worked for other Democratic governors. She has a uh, tough line to tread. At the end of the day, this is a federal issue. And I think holding the president's feet to the fire on it is appropriate. That in, in, you know, in the press conference you mentioned, that was sort of newer for her, being willing to call on Biden, not just for funding, but to call out the, some of the frustrations we're having at a city and state level. And then I think, though, that ultimately we would need to get to is, and you see this, you know, I look to a place like Colorado, where Governor Polis called out the Biden administration, asked for more money, expressed the frustrations as he had them, but then also worked hand in glove with the legislature to pass a series of bills aimed at addressing immigration and the migrant crisis there. In Colorado, they created something called the Office of of New Americans that helped migrants uh, navigate the legal processes, find work, and a host of other issues. And I think that that's the place where I'd like to see, you know, the governor and the legislature get to, and one that I think paid a lot of dividends politically beyond being the right thing to do for the state, for 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 citizens and migrants alike. You know, it, it ended up paying dividends politically. You, you didn't hear about, you know, a migrant crisis, Denver on fire the way that you're hearing uh, the, the migrant crisis talked about here. Well, sticking with this idea of a legislative response, there appears to be resistance from the legislative leaders and Governor Kathy Hochul to having an emergency legislative session in Albany prior to the scheduled return of lawmakers in January in order to pass legislation dealing with the influx of asylum seekers. And this includes legislation that would create a state process for authorizing some sort of work permits or creating a statewide asylum seeker coordinator of services. So this reluctance comes at a time when 54% of New Yorkers, according to this latest Siena poll, say the current dynamic is a very serious problem. And 77% of Democrats acknowledge that the influx is at least some type of problem. So is this strategy of refusing, at least so far, to take on a special session a mistake from a PR perspective? I think the question of whether or not to do a special session comes down to what's on the agenda and is there sort of consensus support for that agenda? Doing a special session before you have that, before there's a kind of a clear view of what you're driving towards and that there's support for it would in fact be a mistake. Within the Democratic caucus, there are ideological and regional divides amongst Democrats on how to approach this matter. Until those divisions are resolved, I think it would be a mistake to do a special session. That said, this is a crisis. We need to show leadership, take action, and ultimately, you know, having legislative solutions to this are, are where we need to end up. And I do think, as you know, a, a special session would make political sense and substantive sense 
once there is alignment around what would be on that agenda for the special session and knowing that uh, you would have broad democratic support. I think the worst thing that could happen is to go into a special session without that consensus amongst democratic electeds and further a, you know, a narrative of Democrats not really having their arms around this crisis and raising further questions about democratic governance in the state. Well, the division you talk about is clear when it comes to issues like settling asylum seekers in areas outside of New York City where some Democrats are willing to you know, light their hair on fire rather than you know, get behind any sort of efforts to uh, force county leaders to accept some of these resettlements. But there are other issues that are seen as much less controversial, like some sort of statewide coordinator of services or potentially authorization of work permits. That's probably a controversial issue if you're working with Republicans on that one. But the great part of that uh, for Democrats in Albany is they don't have to work with Republicans. So why not just advance those issues where there is some sort of common ground? And also, though, for the governor, is there a benefit to just having a special session? Because she sets the agenda, she can put forward whatever she wants, and she can set up the uh, legislature as the bad guy. Because it seems like right now, she's the one taking a lot of the L's, not the legislature. And I think, you know, unfairly so, I think the governor has been showing leadership and leadership is not just calling a session. The decision on a special session has to be one between Leader Hasty, Leader Stewart Cousins and and the governor. And once we know that there is alignment in the votes on some shared set of solutions, whatever that is, if and when we get there, yes, call, you know, call a special session doing a special session just to say you're doing it doesn't solve the problem it only solves the problem if you can get the votes on a series of actions that the legislature believes would fix the problems and voters believe it would 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 fix the challenges as well well why does the governor need to be lockstep with the legislature on this issue. I mean, she can literally set the agenda. So she can say, here's what solves the the problem. I'm going to make you come to Albany every single day between now and January. And you can either vote on this bill or you cannot. But I'm going to make you try to vote on it the next day. I mean, is there a reason why she wouldn't do that other than the fact that it would alienate the legislature moving forward and on other issues? Because the goal here is is, is, is to really address this problem. You have to do that with the majorities you have in the legislature. I think that agenda setting has to be done collaboratively. What is the point of having a special session and jamming it down if the leadership and rank and file members don't want it? You're not going to get anything passed in it. Like that risk to me, once you know that you're not going to have a failed session or one that's going to devolve or not be productive, like to me, to me, it's not enough just to have it. It needs to be one that's productive with the majority of the members on board. Otherwise, I think we, you know, you, you have a session and, and you're no better off than where you started and perhaps worse. And after a quick break, we'll continue our conversation with political communications consultant Alyssa Cass about recent polling surrounding the influx of asylum seekers to New York.
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're continuing our conversation about recent polling on New Yorkers' attitudes about the influx of migrants in New York, and our guest is political communications consultant Alyssa Cass. Well, we mentioned earlier the poor approval ratings that uh, Governor Hochul and and Mayor Adams get for their handling of the uh, asylum crisis, but they're not on the ballot next year. So what about Democrats who are running for office in 2024 in the Empire State? Can we begin to say with any certainty whether immigration and the influx of migrants specifically will be an issue for their campaigns, or are we still 14 months out from there and We've just got our hair on fire because this is the issue of the day and things will subside to pocketbook issues and uh, social issues like abortion in 2024. And this will be uh, an afterthought. I think we can count on this being a defining issue and, and the efforts uh, here in New York to flip a number of congressional seats and win back the House here in New York. To me, there are a lot of parallels between What's happening now and what Republicans were able to do effectively on, on crime, making that a, a, you know, a top issue in the, in the 2022 uh, congressional races. And we already see Republican members of the New York delegation moving this issue to the forefront, making it a question of democratic governance, a question of who are we helping, where are resources being spent? And we see, you know, and have already seen Republican politicians here in New York and nationally glomming on to what's happening here in New York. I think the Republican Party has every incentive to try to use this as a cudgel. And I have every expectation that candidates will be spending a lot of time on this issue. And not just because Republicans are pushing it, but because voters are thinking about it and concerned about it. I don't see that changing. And, you know, it's also not going to change because the problem's not going away. This is a massive humanitarian crisis, one that isn't going to be resolved next week, next month, or even next year. Democrats running for Congress and those of us who are helping them do it have to be incredibly realistic that I think this is going to be a defining issue in these races. Well, what about down the ballot, though? Will state legislative candidates have to deal with this? And if so, can their answer simply be, this is a federal problem and they need to make solutions there? Or do they need to have better talking points than that? You need better talking points than that. You know, in 2022, bail reform was a question for city council candidates, as well as a question for people running for Congress, even though it's a state level issue. Here in New York, anything that's happening in our backyard, like voters ignore the jurisdictional mosh pit and just want some answers here. One of the most important things Democrats in the state need to do is come to what does it mean to be a Democrat in New York and how are we approaching this uh, humanitarian crisis and get everyone marching to the beat of the same drum. That's obviously easier said than done, 
But to me, it's the number one thing we as Democrats have to do in order to be successful in every race. Our candidates are the most effective surrogates and communicators to voters. Voters need to know what Democrats are doing. And I think it's going to affect everyone, regardless of the office they're running for. Well, conversely, if Democrats can't do this finger-pointing campaign at Washington, D.C., can state legislative candidates who are Republicans, can they simply run on a message that is close the border and benefit electorally? Or do they need to actually have solutions for what to do with the tens of thousands of additional people that are actually in the state now? Because right now, when we've spoken, say, to Senate Republicans in New York, their focus, no matter how hard I try to get them, is to only talk about what they want to see Joe Biden do, not necessarily what the state should be doing. Republicans are pretty consistent in uh, talking about problems and not coming up with solutions. And I expect they would do the same here. And still benefit? Republicans have a little bit of an easier job. When you're yelling about a problem that many voters also think is a problem that can help. We as Democrats need to be is we agree there's a problem, but we hear our solutions and Republicans, I, you rarely see them get there. It creates the premium for Democrats to be the party of, of solutions here and why it's going to be so important to show that at every level of government here in New York, Democrats can be working together to have a shared approach. And that will be the contrast with Republicans. But if we don't get there, we're handing a, a huge opportunity to Republicans. So in addition to the August polling that the Siena College Research Institute did of New York voters, they also did a September poll of New York State residents, and they asked about a whole host of immigration issues and attitudes about immigrants in general, including whether people coming to this country are beneficial to New York, whether they're a drain on society, whether they impact economic activity positively, whether they uh, contribute to crime, a whole host of issues, many of which I think had responses from at least a small percentage of Democrats that would have shocked some Democrats, especially more progressive Democrats, about what people in their party believe, as well as what uh, some Latino New Yorkers believe. The numbers you saw, though, based on either internal polling that you've seen or past polling that you've seen, did they seem out of whack to you? Or are those diverse set of views that people have really representative of diverse population that we have in New York? They didn't surprise me because I think this has always been the case. There is some policy diversity and, and, and ideological divides within the Democratic Party. It's why it's such a challenging issue. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, it, why in this moment, you know, a central objective of our response has to be, you know, preserving the pro-immigration character of our state and of the electorate. While addressing the concern, while addressing the concerns that voters, including Democratic voters and independent voters, have, and I do think there are ways to do that. Are you anticipating some candidates to get pretty bloodied during primaries in 2024 over this issue? Because I have to imagine there are 
more purple or even reddish districts where there are going to be Democratic candidates up and down the ballot who are, are going to want to embody or maybe they just believe some of these positions on immigration that are not going to fly with more progressive activists. So is this going to be a central issue in, in some of these campaigns or will there be some sort of collective agreement that we should do no harm to each other uh, if you're a Democrat on these immigration issues? Since when do we Democrats do that? <laughs> I, uh, so look, I think that for any Democrat, you identified the right dynamic, right? There are pressures from the more moderate wings of the party and then the more left side of the party. Those are tough pressures to navigate as a candidate. I think when you look at where these races are happening and then Long Island, in the Westchester and, and kind of lower Hudson Valley suburbs. I don't think you'll see too much daylight between candidates in a primary, but potentially. I think where the biggest divides would be are even within the current delegation between folks who represent New York City and those representing more, more upstate districts. That's the real sort of divide. Well, we've been speaking with Alyssa Cass. She is a political communications professional and partner at Slingshot Strategies. Alyssa, thank you so much for making the time, and I look forward to picking your brain for uh, future episodes of Dispatches from Albany when we get that up and running again. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.